Hello and welcome to the NicheSiteTools.com podcast where we share experiences, tips, and tools to help everyone achieve a greater level of success with their online adventures. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 37 of NicheSiteTools.com podcast where every week I do my best to keep it real. I had to say that. If you've been in the mastermind group this past week, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, if you haven't, you need to head on over there right away. If you're in the car or on the go, don't stop what you're doing. But just remember this URL, nichesitetools.com forward slash mastermind. Whenever you get a chance, head on over there. That is a private Facebook group that I set up for the site last week, and it has far exceeded my expectations already in just one week, and I think uh, just about everybody in there would say the same. It's been great. Uh, Everybody in there has been uh, openly introducing themselves, talking about what they're interested in, asking questions, and a lot of folks are jumping in and answering those questions in addition to myself. And some connections have already been made. People are getting ideas from other people in similar niches. So it has been everything I hoped it would be and way more. So super excited to have everybody in there. Uh, I think I just mentioned uh, we have 30 people in there now in case I didn't mention that number. But uh, it is a great group and uh, it's a great way to network with folks in uh you know completely unrelated niches some of them might be similar niches to what you're working on but the bottom line is it's everybody in there has a common goal to have success with an online business so if you're at my site if you're subscribed if you're listening most likely you already have that common goal as well and that mastermind group is just a great way to jump right in and to instantly have that support system that is so important when you're working on niche site projects. Because for the most part, many of us are working, you know, kind of in a vacuum. So when we start out, especially, we usually have just ourselves that are working on the sites. And then eventually, maybe you look to outsource some content or to network with some folks and uh, maybe work on projects together. But initially, a lot of us, uh, myself included, started out completely by themselves. And, uh, I, you know, initially for me, I would comment on other people's sites and reached out to folks in my related niche and had some feedback and um, interactions that way and reached out to others via email. But this, this group, this Facebook group and uh, mastermind that we have set up, is really great because it's kind of like instant gratification. So you can post something at any time of the day and usually somebody's going to respond to you, you know, within a matter of hours. So it's great to have that uh, instant recognition and you can get feedback, you can ask questions. And it's not just myself. There's right now, like I mentioned, there's a total of 30 people in there and it's probably going to grow as the weeks go on. And it's just going to be a great place with people that come from all different, Uh, walks of life that are in different stages of their niche projects and have completely different ideas on what success looks like for them but it has been awesome so far such great feedback and it really helps me to know what you guys are interested in the types of questions you guys have that helps me for my content and all of the content for this week came directly as a result of that group so that's going to be awesome there's uh, several different questions and different ideas that were given out and I'm going to touch on all of them so there's a lot of things I want to touch on this week but again if you haven't had a chance to head on over to that group go to nichesightools.com 
forward slash mastermind and it'll re- redirect right over to Facebook for you and you can uh, add yourself and I will approve those requests as soon as I can. And we hope to see you over there. And before we get right into the content, of course, I wanted to thank a couple of new email subscribers this past week. We have Nismo X, Strive to Excel, and Fasha. Thank you so much for joining up. Really appreciate it. If you had not had yet had a chance to subscribe via email, you can head over to nichesitetools.com forward slash subscribe where you'll instantly get my keyword brainstorming guide and my seven simple SEO tips guide as a bonus as well. So that'll do it for the housekeeping for this week. And in regards to the content for this week, we had a lot of different ideas thrown out there in the mastermind group. And I'm going to touch on them real quick here. And of course, we will have a tool of the week segment as well. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention the uh, keeping it real part came from the group. Uh, two different folks, Jason and Nick, both said that they really appreciate that the on the podcast that I'm keeping it real. And uh, that was something they really liked. And uh, it was just interesting to me that two different people said the same thing. And uh, glad to hear that we're keeping it real. I know so many different podcasts have more, especially these days, that there's more out there. Some of them have a more corporate feel to them and uh, just, you know, do the same thing on a weekly basis and uh, continue to pump out content. And there's definitely a market for that. A lot of those uh, podcasts have huge audiences and all that, but definitely every week here on this podcast is going to be something completely different. So it sounds like that resonates with you guys and uh, we'll definitely be continuing that into the foreseeable future. So at any rate, let's get back to what I was going to mention as far as the content goes. The first thing was that we were doing some discussions in the group and I was mentioning that I have a topic for a new niche site that isn't necessarily something I'm passionate about, but the numbers look great as far as traffic goes and the competitiveness looks really low. So it looks like something that I can compete with. And the suggestion from Marcus was do some pros and cons of building a niche site that you have little or no interest in. And I thought that was a great idea. So it won't, shouldn't take me real long to get into uh, the full details of that, but that's one topic. Another one was that Gerhardt was interested mostly as far as that niche project goes, the initial research, the competition analysis, and the product evaluation phases. So I'll briefly touch on that without giving uh, too many details away as to what the niche is. And it was determined in the group that it would be best if I spent two to three months on doing the initial um, you know, phases as far as the keyword phrases that I'm going to target for that site, do the site setup and uh, give it th- 60 to 90 days for things to start ranking, and then do a full breakdown then so I don't skew any of the results by making it public, and we can avoid some of the copycat stuff that happens uh, typically when you make a niche project 100% completely transparent and uh, publish all the information as you're doing it. So that is uh, something I'll touch on real quick. And Brian wanted to know when you should publish your site as far as he's heard about the minimum viable product or MVP, which is commonly thrown out around there. So what you would minimally want to have out there that you could give your audience and then work your product or work your site as time goes on. He wanted to know 
would you put a site out with maybe one or two posts and then work as you go? Or do you want to have like a key set of content, maybe five or 10 posts on there? I'll touch on that. And I think that definitely depends on the niche and what you're working on. And then Matt wanted to know how to successfully restore a saved version of WordPress in the event you have something going wrong with your site. What's the best way to do that? So I will touch on that in our tools segment. And that's going to be the content for this week. So since we have a lot to talk about, let's get right into our first topic. And again, the first topic is going to be the pros and cons of building a niche site that you have little or no interest in. And that's something I have direct experience with on several sites in the past, so I can uh, certainly relate to that question, and I definitely have some suggestions on that and some things that you might run into. So as we were talking in the group this past week, I have a uh, topic that is a clip, I'm sorry, not a topic, but a product that is a ClickBank product. And when I did some research for a previous post on how to choose the right products on ClickBank, I found a really good looking product as far as numbers wise. It looks like it has uh, some affiliate sales. People have had some success selling it, but it's nothing major as far as, you know, several hundred other affiliates uh, selling that product. So it's uh, there's a lot of long tail phrases, a lot of different long tail phrases related to this product in this niche. And the competition is relatively low but it was strictly found by me doing just clicking around on clickbank and it's not something at all that you know jumped out and said hey this is something i know a lot about but i do have you know some experience i have friends that uh in this particular niche this product i could see definitely helping them it's not something that's completely foreign to me. Let, let's say, for example, if there was a product on underwater basket weaving, that, of course, would be something that I know absolutely nothing about and really would have no interest in. So that's a little bit different. So I just wanted to kind of give you an idea of where I'm coming from. I know generally about this product and how it could help people, and I know friends that could be positively influenced by a product like this if it's if this is something that interested them so i have some knowledge on it and it's you know not completely foreign to me but again it's not something that i would jump out and say hey i'm really passionate about this i could build a ton of content on this and let's let's rock and roll it's not like that so it's kind of a happy medium so the thing is, I have been in this situation previously. So, for example, I had I found a product on ClickBank, which was called Rocket Spanish, and it is a Spanish language learning program. And at the time when I found it and I was doing research, my wife and I were going to either, I uh, forget if it was Riviera Maya, Mexico, or um, the Dominican Republic. Both of them are Spanish-speaking countries. That's the native language there. And uh, in the Dominican Republic, it's okay to communicate with people. They know some English in the resorts that you go to and things like that. But it's a lot more difficult. They know far less English, and it's much easier to communicate if you know some Spanish. And we were planning to go to one of those two places on vacation. And uh, for that reason, we wanted to brush up on our Spanish. We both took Spanish in high school and a little bit in college. So it's something we know at least a, a bit about. So it would be good to brush up on that. And I found Rocket Spanish. I tried the trial program. 
and it definitely helped me to brush up on some of those terms and some of those phrases that uh, are important. Of course, you know, you, you need to be able to order a beer. You need to know where the bathrooms are. All of those important things uh, that you need to know when you're on vacation. So uh, I had tried it. I thought it was great. And uh, I actually signed up for the product's email list. And I saw they had a pretty decent autoresponder that uh, would give you discounts occasionally and would uh, every week or so would give you information, new lessons, new suggestions on how to get the most out of the program. So the program itself sounded great. The product looked good. It was relatively inexpensive. I think it was under $100, and as compared to things like uh, Rosetta Stone, which is much more expensive but has you know a lot more advertising, it uh, seemed like a decent alternative. So the numbers looked good. The traffic looked somewhat decent. So when I say that, I'm usually looking for 3,000 or more monthly local searches for a core set of phrases, usually four or five. So I'm looking at maybe Rocket Spanish Review, um, Buy Rocket Spanish, Rocket Spanish Discount, things like that. So you want like four or five separate phrases that total, in total, will give you about 3,000 local monthly searches when you're looking up things in uh, like Keyword Planner, Longtail Pro, or Market Samurai. So that's kind of what I'm looking for, and all that looked good. And it was something that I was somewhat interested in. I wouldn't say definitely passionate about, but it was something that it was relevant for me at the time. So it was definitely something that I thought uh, everything was looking good on. And I set out to create the site similar to another site I was working on at that same time. But I was much more passionate about the other site. So I was working on two sites at the same time, which I never recommend doing. Um, based on that experience that I had doing that, I, it took me, you know, normally it would take you about three months to get a site set up, get some core content out there, get some links back to it, and to start ranking and uh, moving up the ranks and traffic uh, as far as Google goes. So normally it's about a 90-day period. Because I was working on two sites at the same time and possibly other things as well, it was definitely taking longer than that. So it took me like six to nine months to get uh, one of those sites ranking where it should. And over that time, what I found was, despite having what I thought were five pieces of decent core content, I had actually attempted to outsource some of that content for the first time. And that's really the only time that I really outsourced content was kind of an experiment for that site. So I had outsourced five articles for that site, but it was really pretty decent. I think it was around $50 for five pieces of content. So it was about $10 per piece of content at the time. And the content was pretty good. It was written by a native English speaker. I had to go back and do some grammar and spelling changes, and I added in some additional content. With the posts themselves, I think I had purchased 800, uh, 500 to 800 word posts. And at the time, that was a decent uh, you know, amount of content per post. I'd recommend doing more these days. It seems that the more content that you have on a particular post that has multiple different keyword phrases within those posts seems to do better as far as ranking and traffic goes. But at the time, that was a decent amount. So the content I thought was pretty good. It wasn't uh, content that I had created myself, so I definitely think it could have been better. But again, I wasn't super passionate about it. So that was a little bit of an experiment to try outsourcing content. Well, at the same time, um, you know, just kind of doing minimal edits and making the content something that I would consider posting myself. And it was definitely that. I wouldn't say if, you know, on a scale of one to 10, that content was probably about a six or a seven. 
Whereas if I had done it myself, it probably would have been an eight or a nine. So it wasn't too far off. So I really thought it had a good chance to rank and to get additional traffic. But for whatever reason, that site never took off. And I did a lot of backlinking by commenting on travel-related sites, um, people that were visiting Spanish-speaking countries, so Spain, Mexico, Dominican Republic. And they were um, you know, bloggers that were specifically in the travel niche. So it made sense. Maybe I did a little too much focus on people that were looking to travel and maybe weren't necessarily going to a site to, you know, learn about Spanish language sites and uh, Spanish language learning programs. So maybe that was partly my fault in what I was targeting. But it uh, it was eye-opening to me because the traffic really never took off and the rankings never took off either. And what I'm thinking is the traffic numbers that I had found at the time I was looking at uh, Market Samurai, maybe they were not quite as high as uh, I had found. But additionally, it could have been partly the outsourced content wasn't as good as I thought. The site wasn't... Uh, as appealing you know there's a lot of different factors but the bottom line was i did lose focus and after we took our trip the interest of learning spanish personally was completely gone for me so we were able to get by on what spanish we knew everything was good so i lost a lot of interest after that and that was probably a couple months into it so that was probably five six months into it i already was having a problem ranking and then i completely lost interest and focus on that site so i let it sit there i said hey i'm just gonna kind of Maybe build up backlinks, you know, a couple here and there, but I'm really not going to spend a lot of time on that. I'm going to focus more on the site I'm passionate about, and that's what I ended up doing. I just kind of let that site sit out there, and I thought over time if that's going to increase some traffic on its own or bring in additional, um, you know, rankings, then I'll revisit it again. But if not, I'm just going to let it sit there, and I'm going to let that uh, domain expire, and that's exactly what happened. And I had two other experiments as well that went similarly. I had connected with a friend from college on Facebook that was just kind of an acquaintance, actually, in one of my Spanish classes. But uh, he was interested in the idea that uh, Cliff Ravenscraft had created a podcast about the show Lost, and that's where he got started. And he was really into TV, certain TV shows, and we both were watching at the time a show called Alcatraz. And uh, it was a very short-lived show that I think had one or two seasons, and then that was it. And really, we were both into it at the time, and we thought, let's create a site around this. He's got some experience doing uh, more web design than I do. So uh, he'll design the site. I'll kind of administer it and do regular posts, and we'll kind of run a forum. And let's just see a show that was popular at the time, at least somewhat, that it had some built-in people that would be searching for it. So we put the site up there, put some core content out there, put some background around each of the stars in the show, and we did instantly start to get some traffic. So it was a little bit different than trying to rank for particular product keywords or doing regular niche sites surrounding an affiliate product. So this was something that uh, within 30 days we started to see traffic coming in and we started to see people comment on posts and um, see traffic to the forum and things like that. So the experiment was that if you put up a site that already has something with an existing buzz and does not have very much competition at all, can you rank? And the answer was yes. So that was a successful test. 
But more as time went on, of course, the show itself was losing ratings and it didn't end up getting picked back up. So there was a lot of folks that were still out there hoping that uh, it would be picked up by another network and it would be renewed. So we kept it going for, I kept it going, I think, for six to nine months after the show had already been announced that it was going to be canceled. And uh, my buddy was not uh, actively involved in the site anymore, just kind of keeping an eye on the traffic. And we did put up some ads in the uh, banners for the forum. And we also had some banners on the left-hand side of the page. But because this was a show 100%, I'm sorry, a uh, site 100% about a TV show, in that case, the AdSense ads were about videos and uh, it, it was really not anything that would be easily monetized. So if you clicked on it, it was like maybe 10 cents per click that we were getting and it wasn't uh, anything that all turned into profit. So I think we got around $9, so it was just enough to pay for the domain, but obviously not our time or anything else we had spent on that site. So that was no problem. That was something that, like I said, it was, we specifically set it up for an experiment to see if we could rank for something that had buzz, but there were very few sites out there talking about this Alcatraz TV show. And despite that, I actually was interested in the American Horror Story show, the first season of that show. And I had actually put up another site thinking that I would try to monetize it in a similar way, but maybe do some more efforts around monetizing. And that didn't go anywhere either, but that had a very similar result. So what we found with the Alcatraz site is that uh, traffic did come in. We did get rankings within like 30 days, which is much quicker than normal because there was not a lot of different sites out there that were ranking really highly for those particular shows. So it does go to show that if there are some buzzwords out there and there's not a lot of sites, you could get a quick boost in traffic if you do target those things. So which makes sense, like uh, viral marketing sites and things like that, that's where they get a lot of their buzz. So they, you know, might promote particular ideas or particular, you know, viral videos or things that are getting a lot of buzz at the time. They get a huge boost in traffic. And then if they're running something like AdSense, maybe they'll get a quick boost in income as well. I definitely did not see a boost in income, otherwise I would still have those sites. But those three sites, we just let them expire. They, uh, the first one being the Rocket Spanish site, just did not take off traffic-wise and was not worth putting the additional effort in because I completely lost interest in that. And the other two sites were just more experiments and, again, lost interest in those ideas over time. So that goes to show you what you might run into if things aren't going well and uh, it just, you know, niche sites, that's why it's always recommended that you have a couple of different ideas. You want to focus on one at a time, I believe, so you can get one site up and going. You can have a core set of content, maybe 10 posts out there. Start to build up some backlinks if you're going to go that route by commenting on other sites, maybe forum posts, however you're going to do that. But then uh, once that content is starting to percolate a bit and uh, you're just kind of waiting for things to rank, then you can move on to another project that you might be interested in. So let's get back to Marcus's main point, the pros and cons of building niche sites you have little or no interest in. So the bottom line was here, you see what happens. So if something is not working out or it's something that you definitely lose interest in rather quickly, it's not going to be something that you're going to put the time and effort into it. And as such, you're not going to get that additional content unless you, of course, you're outsourcing everything, which is a different story. But 
if you're doing that on your own, you're going to lose interest, you're going to lose focus, and when things don't go as planned, you're not getting the traffic, you're not getting the rankings, and you're not getting any income from the site, it's definitely going to sit there. So you have a couple of options at that point. If you do have any traffic and rankings and income to report, you could try to sell the site on like a Flippa or maybe the Empire Flippers guys, depending on how much income you have. You have the option to sell a site, and that's not a bad option if you have enough income to justify somebody paying for your site. So in my case, I had little to no income whatsoever, so I just let those expire, and uh, that was how those went. So the less interest you have, the less likely you are to continue with it, and the less likely your site is going to be to go anywhere. So that's the most obvious one. But at the same time, if I had thought that that Rocket Spanish site, for instance, it was just a matter of I was targeting the wrong places to get backlinks, or if my site design wasn't as good as it could have been, then I could have spent more time on the site, but because I wasn't interested in it any further, that was as far as I wanted to go. But on the same token, the opposite could be true. So if you are really passionate about a site and it's still not working for whatever reason, you could end up spending more time than you should on that site. So there's a particular point where you either need to figure out if you're going to if it's worth your time and effort to continue to create content and spend your time which is very valuable on that project or move on to something else. So if you are very passionate about something and you're working on your niche site, you could end up running into the issue where everything you're doing, your content is awesome, your maybe your traffic is just not adding up or you're not giving it enough time. There could be a point, however, where let's say you've spent three months, you've got a lot of backlinks to your site, you got some really great content, the design looks good, and you only have 10 people visiting your site in a monthly period. And that's after 60 to 90 days of getting your, leaving your content out there, doing all the right things, and you really have nothing to report from it. In that case, you're liable to want to continue and to put more effort for it because you really are passionate about this. You really think that you know creating this site is really going to help somebody. But if the results are so dismal that you're getting absolutely nothing, ten people, you know, not not to say that ten people. If you're targeting the right people, 10 people is all you need to really have. Let's say you're getting $50 for selling that affiliate product. If you got 10 people, your content was awesome, and you got 10 sales from that, that's you know that, that's a whole different story. But if you're getting 10 people, no engagement, and these people are just bouncing within, you know, say, 30 seconds, your bounce rate is super high, and uh, you're not sure how you can go about getting the content to a place where it is more valuable to people and it's really adding value to your followers, followers, then there's a point where you really would want to cut your losses and move on or at least completely redesign things, completely change your focus and start from scratch. So if you are passionate about something, that could be one of the downsides that you end up spending more time than you should and anything else that you might work on would suffer. So maybe you got some other great ideas that you're putting on the back burner when in fact you should shift focus and try something completely different because that one is just isn't working out for whatever reason. So just to recap real quick, one con of uh, creating a niche site that you're not passionate about is that especially if things aren't going well, you're definitely going to be more inclined to let things sit and things just are not going to get the focus they deserve and uh, that site will not end up working. But on the 
on the flip side, if you are super passionate about something, that could be a con as well there because you could end up spending more time than you should on a site just because you're really vested in the idea, you really are passionate about it, you really think it could work, but if the numbers aren't adding up and the results are not uh, you know, materializing as expected, then there's also a time where you should cut your losses and move on. So it can be a pro and a con of you know, being passionate about something and not being passionate about something. But also some other quick things when it comes to building a niche site that you're not interested in that could lend itself to uh, something down the road where you do outsource your content. So if you're not real passionate about it, you may not have a you know huge vested interest in the idea. So you might be more inclined to try some outsourcing, which could open up other doors for you if you can have somebody create the content, which is typically takes up the most time especially for me, you may be able to pump out more niche sites if you were to outsource that content. So maybe if you're not super interested in, you hire that content out and you don't have that emotional attachment to a site. So you could look at something as and you could create a niche site, outsource the content. If things were to pick up and you were to get some traffic, maybe you would look to sell those sites down the road to bring in some income for some other projects you are more passionate about. So that could be a con to uh, you know not having a huge vested interest in the site. You could create them as separate little entities all of their own and then look to sell them on again on a site like Flippa or uh, Empire Flippers or some other site out there where you could recoup some of your investment and uh, use that money towards other projects. So that's another con- or a pro that just uh, popped into my head there. So my final thoughts on that idea are unless you are going to create be creating niche sites specifically with the intent to sell them when you start to get traffic and sales, I would think that it should be something that you have at least a rudimentary knowledge in or interest in. Like, uh, you know, the main example we always talk about is Pat Flynn's security guard training HQ site. He didn't know necessarily anything about security guard training. However, his mom was in the security guard field. So right there, he had some basic knowledge about it and some interest in it and something where he could pull from to when he was creating that site and setting that up. So, it, it you know, there's a there's a balance between having absolutely no interest whatsoever, which for me would be underwater basket weaving. I would not create a site around that unless I saw there was some amazing numbers. Maybe I knew somebody that was in that field that could create some great content for me. And if I wanted to sell that site down the road, you know, shortly afterwards, maybe I would do something around that. But it would be very rare that I would go down that road. So I I think you minimally have to have you know, some sort of knowledge if you're going to create a site about a particular product. And especially if you're going to create anything as far as an authority site, like niche site tools site, you really need to have a passion for something that you're going to create an authority site around. So hopefully that gives you guys some ideas to think about. And we will move on to the next topic. In the next topic, Gerhardt was interested in, and he was interested in hearing about the initial research, competition, analysis, and product evaluation phases of choosing a niche product. And this was in relation to the new niche site that I'm going to be creating very soon. And I'm just going to go some through some real quick numbers here on what I look for when I research a new project. So let me click over to Longtail Pro real quick. And pull up those numbers that I had here. All right, so I have them on my screen here. And basically what I did was I typed in the main phrase for this particular product. 
It shows me that there are 5,400 local monthly searches for just that primary keyword phrase, which is really pretty good. Typically, like I mentioned before, I look for at least 3,000 local monthly searches for a couple of different keyword phrases, so usually four or five. So in this particular case, that's pretty high numbers there. And high numbers alone do not mean anything. Of course, keyword competitiveness is the key factor there as well. So you want to have enough search terms, but also you want to be able to compete. So the bonus there is that our 5,400 local monthly searches and that keyword competitive number from Longtail Pro Platinum version is only 25. And generally anything under 30 is something you can consistently compete with to get to that first page of Google. So that is great results there. And that's just one phrase. I'm looking at my list here. I have over 20 different phrases that are somewhat related to the main one. And if I go down the list here... Uh, one of them has 1,000, another has 720, another one has 1,900. So you can see that it's definitely well over 3,000, and all of them have keyword competitiveness numbers under 30, which is, the numbers really jumped out at me. So that's the main reason why I decided to create this site, was I have some knowledge about it. It looked like the product was decent and had some decent numbers within ClickBank itself. And then when I ran everything through Longtail Pro, that's when things really jumped out to me as something that should work out as far as being able to get traffic and rankings go. That, of course, doesn't mean that it's going to automatically result in sales, but it's uh, basically setting yourself up for success right from the start. So the numbers are definitely there. And I clicked over for the main set of keywords here, and I clicked on the competitiveness portion of Longtail Pro and I'm looking at the main results for the first page of Google for the phrase that has 5,400 local monthly searches and there are only three on this page that are above 30 for that KC number keyword competitiveness. So for all spots except two, three, and nine, I could easily compete with. The uh, links to these sites are very small in number. So on paper, this niche site definitely seems like something you could easily get to um, rank and get some traffic coming in for. So everything looks great as far as that goes. So that's where we are there. So when I do that initial research again, I'm looking for at least 3,000 local monthly searches. Oh, and one other thing. If I click back to the stats here, something else that I'm looking for is that the average cost per click is at least 80 cents or more. And for all of these keyword phrases, if I look at the first one that had 5,400 local monthly searches, the average cost per click for that phrase is $2.05. Going down the line here, the one that had 1,900 is $1.33. One that has 1300 is $2.06. Another one that has 1,000 search terms has $3.93. So they're all, all of the phrases that I was looking to potentially target for long tail phrases for content on the site, they all have at least 80 cents or more for the cost per click. And what that just means is that other people that would be paying for ads on Google for these search terms there is a market for it. So people are competing for those terms. So that means there is a dollar value associated with that. So people that are paying, if people are paying for ads for that, there is some sort of monetization method where if somebody's paying for ads for that, there's got to be a way that they are bringing in money for that. So that is a good sign. 
And that's, again, something else I look for. So at least 3,000 local monthly searches for this, a couple of sets of search terms, and then average cost per click over 80 cents, and then making sure that keyword competitiveness number for the vast majority of the phrases you're targeting is under 30. So that that's it in a nutshell. That's exactly what I'm looking for. You don't have to overcomplicate things. That's why I love Longtail Pro fact that it's quick and it gives you that uh, the platinum version gives you that KC number that just eyeballing it really quick you can see exactly whether or not you can compete to get to the first page of Google so that's pretty much it and as far as product evaluation goes what I'll do is I'll definitely check out the landing page of the site I will definitely click, click through read all the FAQs and uh, if there is an email sign up that you can sign up for I will always do that to see how if they had an autoresponder series or what sort of interactions the company has with people that would subscribe so I will be doing all of that I have not yet done that yet and since this is a Clickbank product their terms of service allow you to actually purchase things through your own affiliate link. So what that means is let's say the product's $50 and there's a 50% commission rate. You can pay for it for $50 but you'll get that $25 commission through ClickBank and that is completely within their terms of service currently. So that is a way to try out the product yourself, take a look at it, make sure it's something that you think uh, somebody would want to purchase and they wouldn't return. And you can tell a lot about the product through through ClickBank stats. When you search for products, you can tell what the return rate is and things like that. There's gravity numbers that uh, show you how many people as far as affiliates go, have made sales of that product recently. So there's a lot of numbers you can get right from ClickBank, but I will always go that one step further and purchase a product. If I'm going to create, spend the time and effort, register the domain and use, you know, 60 to 90 days of my time to try to set up the site, it's going to be worth it to at least purchase the product, especially through ClickBank. And you could also try to contact the company themselves and see if they'll give you a free evaluation or trial. And uh, with the understanding that, hey, I'm going to be promoting this on my site, so I want to make sure it's something that my audience would like and it's something that uh, I think is worthwhile. So you can always ask first, and if no luck, then I would still purchase the product myself just to make sure that it is a legit product that uh, you would purchase and somebody that would come to your site would hopefully purchase as well. So hopefully that was helpful for you, and I will jump right into the next mention, which was from Brian, on when to publish your site, and he mentioned the minimum viable product. So there's two different computing thoughts that you, if you're going to create a site, you just go ahead and put out the content, get the site set up, and uh, just publish as you go along, or you want to build up a core set of content and then release it that way. And I think it differs slightly, and I think it's a really quick answer for me. If you're going to create a niche site surrounding a product, let's say, for example, that site that I was mentioning, it's around a particular ClickBank product, I really don't think it matters. I think you can create that site, and then if you have content that you had in mind, go ahead and publish that first piece, publish the next one, and just keep going as you see fit. I don't think in that case it's as critical because you're not building up a huge audience. Like if you're building a, an authority type site or you're launching a podcast or something, it may make sense to have you know two or three episodes so that when somebody comes to your podcast or your site for the first time and it's going, you're going to be the authority for that site, 
you want to build up that buzz and build up that hype and hopefully have it following right from the start. So that makes perfect sense. So you would create some content and uh, not quite publish it yet and then have several things available for somebody that would come to the site. But for product-specific niche sites or you know one-off sites like that where you're not necessarily going to be building up a community or a following, I don't think it's as critical. So don't stress too much about that. If you are going to have a big brand and you're going to have your own um, authority type site, definitely I would consider having three to five pieces of content before you launch or build up some hype prior. That's definitely makes sense to do that. But for product specific sites, don't worry too much about that. Just publish the content as you can. I would say at least initially to get those rankings and traffic start to build, get at least five pieces of content done within a one month period and preferably maybe five to 10 pieces would be great. But definitely don't stress out too much about that, especially when it comes to product-specific sites or smaller sites. And even in the case of a mini-authority site or a blog, I still think you have a lot of leeway, you know, especially when just starting out. So don't stress too much about that. If you're having a hard time creating three to five pieces of content or something, just get started and just publish. Hit the publish button. Don't worry about it. I think minimum viable product obviously comes around more for product specific things. So if you're creating an ebook, if you're creating a membership site, if you're creating an online training program, certainly there has to be a core set of content. Otherwise, why would somebody make a purchase and join up? So it certainly makes sense in those cases that you do have to have something at least to get it out there, get it in front of your audience, and then take some feedback and adapt it as it goes. But when it comes to creating a site and getting your site published, don't stress too much about that. If you can, if you have a couple of articles that are you know, fresh in your mind and you can get them out there quickly, certainly publish a couple of them. But really, when it comes to uh, you know waiting and making sure that everything is perfect and everything lines up, it never happens. So in my experience, anytime I tried to make things perfect or tried to make sure that I waited until things were exactly how I wanted them, it was always best in that case to publish as opposed to waiting. So my motto is definitely progress, not perfection. Since I am a perfectionist, it's difficult for me to do that sometimes, easier said than done. But over time, I have understood that that definitely is the case. And anytime things worked out in my favor, it was always when I erred on the side of, you know, publishing something or putting something out there rather than waiting until it was perfect. So if, if you can get one thing from this segment, it's always about progress, not perfection. So get some stuff, getting some stuff out there is better than having it out, you know, waiting and making sure that it's perfect. So hopefully that is helpful as well. And that's going to wrap it up for the main content portion. Let's go right into our tool of the week. And the tool of the week this week is going to be Dropbox, and it relates to the Updraft Plus Backup and Restore program. And Matt had asked how you go about restoring a saved version of WordPress because he ran into some issues. He had uh, hired a freelancer to change things around on his site, and afterwards things are broke, unfortunately. So what uh, I'm going to just tell you really quick how you use this. And Updraft Plus Backup and Restore is the backup program that I use and I mentioned that as previously as one of the tools of the week but the cool thing about this free plugin you can purchase a premium version if you needed assistance with um, you know having them help you with the backups or restores or something but there's nothing that you need to do pay for it right out of the box. I've always used the free version. It's great. And basically it is a one button click 
for backup and restore. So I'm in the Updraft Plus backup restore plugin right now, and I am actually going to take a backup of my site. So when I click on backup now, what's going to do is pop up a box that says proceed backup now, and there's three checkboxes. Don't include the database backup in the backup. Don't include any files in the backup. Don't send this backup to remote storage. So none of those are checked and I never check any of those. So you do want to keep the database in the backup. You do want files in the backup and you do want to send this to remote storage. So if I go ahead and click backup now, it is starting and it says you should see activity in the last log message file below. So it actually shows the status bar below on my screen. So I see that the backup is in progress and depending on the speed of my connection, it'll take probably, typically for me, I think it takes three to five minutes for it to back up my whole site. So that is what you're gonna wanna do. And then all you need to do through this plugin, if you want it to restore, is you click on, there's a button right next to backup now that says restore. And for me, it shows me that I have nine existing backups to pull from. And I'll typically do that before I do any plugin updates, any WordPress updates, or installing any new plugins. That way I have something to refer back to in case something breaks. And that is definitely important to do. And additionally, I will also try to remember to do a uh, backup after I do a new post or page. Because the way I look at it is I have had to restore my entire site previously. And the last time that happened, I had about two weeks where I hadn't taken a backup. So I had to do two posts. I didn't have to redo the podcast audio episode, but I did have to redo the blog post for each of those. And it takes me a long time to do that. So as a result of that, I try to do a backup at the end of every post or page that I do. So it's good to keep those. You only need maybe, you know, two weeks worth. And then at that point, you can just delete your old backups. Most likely you're not going to need to refer back to, you know, more than one or two of your backups. So you don't need to keep a lot of copies, but it is best to keep those copies you can keep them on your hosting site, which is good to have at least a backup on the site as well. But it is also good to have them store those sites at an off-site location. And the way that I do that is right through the Updraft Plus Backup and Restore plugin, you have the option to send those to remote storage. So if I click over here... Uh, let me see where that is. So your backups, yep, if you go into settings. So if I click down there, it says copy your backup to remote storage. And there's a couple of different options there. And they have Dropbox, Amazon Cloud, Rackspace Cloud, etc., etc. So there's a couple of different choices. But I like Dropbox because I've used it for a number of years and it's been great. And one of the really great things about Dropbox is that you get two gigabytes of data absolutely free, no charge, and you can do whatever you want with that. So not only could you back up your WordPress sites, but you could back up files from your computer. You could actually share files with other people through Dropbox, use it as kind of an online storage collaboration type thing. So it's a really great tool to have not only for your WordPress sites, but just in general. And I've used it for just about anything you could think of over the years. So it's a really great uh, little tool to have. And uh, if you go through nichesitetools.com forward slash Dropbox, 
That'll give me an additional 500 megabytes. And uh, I am almost at my capacity because I'm storing a whole lot of stuff out there. So if you guys are going to use Dropbox, and I highly encourage you to do so, if you could go through that link, that'll boost up my storage a bit. So I'd greatly appreciate that. But again, uh, right through the uh, Updraft Plus Backup and Restore program, once you sign up for a Dropbox account and you just put in your login and password details right into the backup plugin, it will automatically store your backup files right to Dropbox for you and there's nothing additional to do. You only have to log in the one time and that's cached in your WordPress site and your dashboard and you're good to go. And it really is so important to have that off-site backup in addition to any local backups you have. In case you have a catastrophic failure where you lose your entire site, you have that off-site backup to be able to restore from in the event the worst happens. So typically what's going to happen is maybe you deleted a post or like I did. What happened in my case was I actually went into the PHP admin for the MySQL database that your WordPress sites are built on that you probably don't know too much about. But there is a database in the back end. And what I did was somebody had pointed me to some place where you could go search your database to look for something. So I had a link somewhere out on my site and I was trying to figure out how to get rid of it. And I couldn't find it anywhere in the files that I was told to look into and whatnot. So I went over to the PHP admin, which is part of the cPanel uh, for my web host, and I searched around the database and I was clicking on some different things and I must have clicked something that saved something. So it made a change to my database somehow. And then shortly afterwards, anything you would search for on my site, you would go to my main site any of the links you had previously and it would basically tell you there was no data so I was just getting errors for all the content on my site just by clicking on one thing within the um, database somehow so I did not change anything as far as I knew all I did was click something and boom my whole site was gone so much to my dismay uh, luckily I had a backup but it was from two weeks prior so in that case you know I all my content I know was there. I didn't delete my content. I must have just deleted some sort of pointer in the database that was critical to the functioning of the site. So luckily I just went right into my WordPress dashboard, clicked on restore, restored everything back to the way it was. And about 10, 15 minutes later, my entire site was back. So it was a little hairy there for a bit. I hadn't run into anything where my entire site disappeared before. I think in the worst case previously, maybe I had accidentally overwritten some of my posts or I had deleted something, but I had revisions of those posts because WordPress auto saves, so there's revisions you can go back to usually. So I've had to do that before, but I've never had a big failure where none of my data loaded, you know, none of the content on my site was visible. So it worked like a charm and it was a great exercise and I can say that now because everything worked. So it's always great to have those backups, but it's always good to test those restores as well because in a corporate environment, I've seen many, many times where you have the best backups, but when you go to restore in the event that you need to, you know, you're trying to recover from a catastrophic failure, like your whole server, your whole website is down. When you try to do that, sometimes you find that only part of that restore is going to work or maybe your backup tape wasn't in the ideal shape and none of your restore works so it's good that I've tested fully my backups I know I have consistent backups when I need them and now I fully know that restoring a site from scratch uh, well not necessarily from scratch but from a full 
backup definitely works. So uh, that is great to know. And uh, rest assured, I feel confident in that backup uh, program and plugin and recommending it, especially because it's free and uh, it's it's been great. So it saved my butt. And uh, I know that uh, it can help save you too. So so be sure to get a backup program, and I recommend Updraft Plus Backup and Restore, of course, and hook that up with something like Dropbox, and uh, you'll have a great backup and restore solution in the event you need to restore down the road. And by the way, it also has a not only the manual, you can click the button to backup, but you can schedule backups at certain intervals, and that's free as well. So you could do it every four hours, every eight hours, daily, weekly, every other week, or monthly. And uh, so that's one way that you can know that you have backups and you don't have to wonder if you did uh, set that backup to run manually. So that's also another great feature to have. So hopefully that uh, nails home that you need them and you will run them now from this day forward. So hopefully that helps. I can see we're just beyond the 50 minute mark here, so I definitely want to wrap things up. But I did want to make sure we covered all the suggestions in the mastermind group, and I hopefully have accomplished that today. And again, thank you so much for everybody in that group. If you haven't had a chance to head on over there, you can head to nichesitetools.com forward slash mastermind and join the community over there, and uh, it'll definitely be worth your while. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you have a fantastic upcoming week. Bye-bye now.